Hi everyone, welcome to episode 4 of the True Love Podcast. Today my guest is Patrick Kitzel, my longtime friend for over 25 years. People might know him from singing in bands like Spawn, True Blue, or organizing shows back in the days here in Essen. After we moved to the States, he started a label called Reaper Records, one of the realest hardcore labels. Also works for tattoo shops as a manager in and around Syracuse. Used to do the Tribal Tattoo Magazine. Now puts out the Tattoo Times, Tattoo Newspaper. Organized the Tribal Tattoo Tour out here in Europe. He works in a ranch in Montana. On top of everything, became an American citizen earlier this year and a fireman. So, an all-around interesting guy. Enjoy the episode. Alter, was ist los hier? Das hat gerade gemacht. Ich habe gar nichts gemacht. Du hast. So wie, so wie immer, das hieß früher auch schon so, ich habe nichts gemacht. Ne? Ich habe echt nichts gemacht, aber <lacht> da steht jetzt, dass du am Aufnehmen bist. Ja, das ist richtig. Und zwar dich. All right, all right. Let's start. Yeah, Patrick, welcome to the True Love Podcast. It's, <clears throat> it's episode number four, and I thought if I need someone in here, it's Patrick. It's kind of awkward because uh, Patrick and me known each other for how long, Patrick? 25 years, maybe almost 30? Uh, yeah, maybe 27, 26 years, yeah. Yeah, and obviously we don't usually speak English to each other. but um. We figured there might be some people on the other side uh, of the ocean that might want to be interested in the podcast too. So we decided to go uh, full on English because Patrick's English is better than when he moved to the States. <laughs> right, Patrick? <laughs> I think so. I don't know. <laughs> oh, you don't know? Some, uh, I, I do. <laughs> some people might argue that. What? Did they tell you you're bad at English? No, they tell me it sucks just the same. <laughs> Some people here also tell me my German is terrible, so yeah. that's true. Ah, oh, fuck off. But, but so is <laughs> so is mine. See, at this point, my German and English is equally bad. The German gets worse and worse every year, and the English just—I don't even know. Yeah, yeah I, I know that feeling. I speak three languages mangled up all the time. Dutch, German, and, and English, and sometimes I can't even find the words in English or in Dutch or in German and it's simple. And I'm, I'm trying like, trying like, what is what is ginger in Dutch? And people like, dude, that's your that's your mother tongue. Are you fucking crazy? And I just can't find the words. I don't know. I hope uh, in 10 years I still know I still know something at least. But it's yeah. a little bit weird when you speak a lot of languages um, all the time. So yeah, when did we get to know each other? I think we met at a. Maybe in Essen at a backdraft show? Uh, yeah, 
I think I put on the show with Lash Out and uh, Stormwatch, maybe. I don't know. I don't think I was there. Well, I think Backdraft played. Oh, did we? <laughs> I don't know. That could be. That could be. I just, uh, maybe we met before because I, I remember Michael Mueller started bringing you around at some point. And yeah. I think everybody might be surprised, but you were really, really fucking skinny back then. I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> There was ever a time that you were young and skinny? I don't know. No comment. <laughs> and then Panera Bread came into your life or no? That's right. They just changed that to Panera. They're changing all these names to Panera Bread is Panera, Dunkin' Donuts is Dunkin'. Why? Uh, I don't know. They're changing all these franchise names and uh, basically cutting their names in half. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's not really Yeah, it's not really important, I guess. <laughs> well, I think it's important for you because that's the whole reason you went to Panera Bread, right? For Because it said bread at the end. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I can assure you it still has bread in the store. <laughs> I, I fully believe that. I got no quarrel about that. So you said uh, you, you put on the Lash Out uh, Stormwatch Backdraft show? What yeah. was that? Was that an asset? Yep. That was the first show I ever put on. And that was, was in 94. What was that joint called again? Dust Links. Das Links. Where was that again? What 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 uh, part of the city? Borbeck. Borbeck. It was uh. upstairs, almost like an attic space, but it had like straight walls instead of a pitched roof. Yeah, it could be. I can remember yeah. that. I can typical, remember what it was. Typical youth center type thing, you know. I re I remember that it was. I remember as Das Links, and I remember how you describe it, but I can't remember how we got there and what part of the city it was although i've been living here for 16 years now i couldn't remember where to find that if you would ask me now but well i know borbeck but the uh yeah what's that was that the show that oh, yeah, i was i think that was yeah i think that was the show where i bought uh, a set it off album mabel album no yeah i think i did <laughs> it was like a small dinky show who was selling mabel records Someone, I don't know. Hmm. Oh, What's you know it? what? Those those green hell guys used to come there. Oh yeah, so. I might might have done that there. I don't know. I just remember. I just remember we really weird, distinct things about the past, and then some people come up to me and I don't remember shit. So yeah, well, yeah. Was it on that tour we did? You came. You came to Saarbrücken later on too, I think, right? Yes. Uh. That wasn't a squad. I think uh, everything was in a squad back in those days, almost. Yeah. Uh, or you, Santa? I don't know if it was a tour. I know Lash Out was doing a small tour, and they just had that um, that second record come out on Stormstrike, and somehow I ended up doing that show, and I don't know. Yeah, what's something like that? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't remember exactly. But those days, I mean, yeah, you, you say, I mean, I remember you started coming around and then uh, we started hanging out because we knew the same people. And then at some point, a couple of years later, you started, you started singing for Spawn, which we were doing a lot of shows with anyways, because um, Renee used to drink for a drink. <laughs> 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 he, used to, he used to drum for Feeding the Fire. Um, 
for for a long while, and then obviously we shared drummers because he drummed Spawn, obviously, and we just did a lot of shows together. We used to play together with Inner Circle to start with, and then Spawn formed, and yeah, at some point you started singing for him, right? Yep. Yeah. After Chris left, Chris left. I don't remember how that. Yeah, yeah, no, but I don't know. I can't remember how that came to be. I know you were always hanging out with him and doing merger rodeoing for him, right? Well, we went on that 96 U.S. summer tour, and I rodeoed for them. And uh, I don't know why, but Christoph left the band right after that tour. And, um, and Daniel started Eyeball, and uh, I think... And then, uh, I don't know, you know, for some reason, the decision was made to uh, keep Spawn going. And uh, I was asked to sing. And um, I uh, I did, you know. I, I don't think there was more than 10 shows that I played with them uh, or sang yeah. for them or whatever. Yeah, it was at the very end, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we still recorded a split 7-inch with Despair. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a strange transitional time in the scene. I felt, I felt like, cause you know, like a lot of people could just kind of like pick the site musically. Like Daniel really wanted to do this whole youth crew revival type thing with eyeball. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Renee and I were always more into New York hardcore type stuff. And, uh, which I think that's basically what ended the band ultimately that nobody really was happy with the way the band sounded, you know? Yeah. Because it was, a, it was a relict of the nineties, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I think back then it was, uh, you, you somehow, at least out here in Europe, it was not really accepted that you like youth crew and New York hardcore at the same time. You either you either listen to one of them and later on, Maybe ninety nine around the, 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 the turn of the century, it started becoming cool to listen to New York hardcore again for a lot of people, and then it kind of faded into each other. But it was, like you said, it was really weird because I don't know. We also stopped feeding the fire in ninety six, I think, or maybe the end of ninety five, and we started basically also the same stuff. It's right what you're saying because we had a, uh, well, the band was a mess anyways, but we we were also. Uh, or at least me, I was trending more towards heavier sound, you know, as uh, I was more into Hatebreed and uh, Marauder and Stigmata and all that shit. And I really didn't want to do the the, the, the fast stuff <clears> anymore. <throat> and I uh, wish we were doing with Feeding the Fire. Uh, well, we were slower at the end, but whatever. I mean, the it's just not my thing anymore. It seemed that you guys um, had that same thing, but then you guys went more into a direction of less heavy stuff, but more like uh bad brainish iceman chromax like sound with true blue right yeah yeah and i mean now that we're talking about it it is pretty interesting to look back because what spawn sounded like and you know as you just described feeding the fire and what we were kind of heavily into to into you know marauder and hatebreed had nothing to do with what our band sounded like. And I think yeah. everybody was just ready to sound to start up something new and and that's how you know, Born from Pain was born and 
True Blue, I guess. And yeah, yeah. And that's when kind of like the changing of the gods musically kind of fell into place, I guess. Yeah, because it was kind of the end of that um, mid '90s kind of what would a big band sound like? Like Strife and uh, what else we have around that time? Was it, it? I always felt like the '90s was. Um, I don't want to say weird, but it was like different musically in the eighties, end of the eighties, beginning of the nineties. At least for me, it was very. There were very clear. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but very clear directions in in what 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 was happening uh, musically, and I was just not into a lot of the mid nineties sound. You know, a lot of that pulse hardcore stuff, like uh, uh, like Texas is the reason, or. Uh, uh, all that stuff that came out around that time, you know, or the later endpoint and stuff like that. I never could really get into that. And uh, when bands started coming around again, like uh, like Marauder Sigmata, Hatebreed, a little bit heavier, but also, you know, like Strive Doe and Earth Crisis mid 90s Doe. But that was kind of more my sound and uh, was always into, I don't know, the, the, the straight edge sound, you know, Unit the Day and all those bands. But the mid 90s was kind of just like, uh, I was just floating along and not really heavily, heavily into something. I don't know if you if you if you, if you, if you get what I mean, but you know. No, totally. And I mean, the, you know, I think, I think when we say mid '90s, what we really mean is like the the second half of the '90s, you know. Yeah, um, up until up until a point like '97, '98, I think. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, yeah. But anyways, it's crazy. It seems so long ago. And I guess it is, you know. Um, yeah, but people think, ask me sometimes about that time. I feel almost it's like a different life. It's crazy. We're old. Yeah, no, it absolutely <laughs> is. I was just writing an article from the tattoo newspaper how, uh, um, you know, how all things change. And, uh, it, you know, how the mid-90s, you know, was all about straight edge and vegan and uh like the priorities were like kind of like really streamlined you know mm -hmm. it was it was almost like you're the i don't know how to put it you know there was hardcore and there was the things that came with hardcore and there was almost nothing else you know mm -hmm. a lot of us were still somewhat in school or just starting college or in college you know it was like all so simple that it was almost like i don't know i feel like looking back that the real world was not really part of anything back then you know it was still people were still like had like one foot in their childhoods and or teenage years and yeah you know and then the transition started you know and it was a transition musically but also like i don't know everything just you know i remember when renee got his you know first real job and all of a sudden he had like a nine to five schedule and yeah. i was like <laughs> and i was like what the fuck this is like a nightmare <laughs> you know like <laughs> like you know but now looking back at you know, we're all like well into our 40s and it's like, yeah, that's just what life is. You know, yeah. it's like it's not hardcore 24-7. It's, you know, it's 
it's yeah, it's it's strange to look back at a time that was, I don't know, you know. Yeah, I agree. It's, there, there was hardly anything else because that was just what your life revolved around exclusively, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. And uh, the, and you know what's crazy too is it still it still does, but it's on a different level, you know, like. On a more matured level, without so trying to sound old, I guess, but right, it like you know, like I always think when I like look at normal people in quotes, you know, in their lives, and it's like, like my life is twenty four seven hardcore, I guess, you know, because everything you look at, you look at through the through the lenses of you know how you grew up and you know how you learned in hardcore to to look at things and question things and. You know, like, you know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it does. You know, so you can never, it's like, it's like you can never get rid of all of that, but for some reason it's, it's still gone, you know? Like, yeah. it's just all shifted, you know? It shifted from like this, like, active, how many shows can we go to in, you know, one month to like, mm -hmm. I don't even care about going to shows, you know? Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I prefer not to. You know, but mm -hmm. that doesn't take anything away of how much I like shows. Mm -hmm. You know, you I don't kinda, know. yeah, no, I I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I just I sometimes when I meet people from from high school from back in the day or from ground school even, I talk to them. It feels like when they were already busy with like real. Um, uh, let's say mature careers and serious jobs and uh, raising a family and getting married and everything. I was, I was trying to organize vans and drive to all kinds of shows and sleep on fucking floors and eat shitty food that, you know, when I was at that age and it just seems like I stopped doing that. I don't know, maybe eight or 10 years ago. Not that, not that I'm still going, uh, playing the shows and, and doing all that stuff, but it just seems like that you got, into that different mindset where you kind of realize, oh, damn, you know, uh, there's been 15 or 20 years where other people have raised kids that are 20 years or 18 years now. And you need, you didn't even start thinking about that because you were busy doing hardcore, you know, right. and well, which, is, which is, which is not a problem for me, but I'm just saying, you know, like it's just a whole different mindset you have. Yeah. It's also not meant to be uh, negative you know, but those people had no choice, you know, school was done, and I mean, a lot of people, what else do they have, you know, it's dating, getting married, having kids, yeah. and working yeah. a job they hate, and, you know, again, not to be judgmental about that path, but... Do you sometimes feel you did miss out on something, or that you feel like you should have done something earlier, which you didn't do because... Uh, it was just shows and bands at that time. Yes, I should have paid more attention in school. <laughs> <laughs> My godson got kicked out at home last year and he stayed here for three, maybe three and a half months. And uh, he's maybe 11th grade high school. He would bring home math homework and uh, and couldn't figure out his homework. And I was like, all right, let me see. And I looked at his math homework and I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, <laughs> I was like, I kept telling him, I'm like, this is exactly why you need to try and figure all this stuff out. So you don't 
30 years later, sit there with a kid and feel so stupid. But in all seriousness, no, not really. I feel like everything played out the way it was had to play out, I guess. But school is always something I'm like, I I wish I would have stayed in school longer. Did you actually do something after high school? Uh, I, I did college for maybe, I don't know, three months at the most. College for what? What kind of, what kind of education was that? You could, um, I forgot what it's called in Germany. It's like you pick it like a, what the fuck is it called? It's not like straight up university. It's like tied into like a subject. It's tied into like a work subject or something. It's more like a, a college where you go to work a certain amount of the days and then learn for a certain amount? Yes. And, but, and it was tied into graphic design. And okay. that lasted like three months. And that was it. You didn't have the patience or you didn't want to do it? Well, overall, I was just not mature enough for anything like that. Um, really? That's weird. <laughs> um, I didn't know you liked that at all. <laughs> Well, in all seriousness, I had gotten kicked out at home and moved in with a girlfriend in Wuppertal. And that was around the time I did that short college thing. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really quite remember what all happened, but um, I just didn't like it. And I also had to make money. And obviously there was no money in school. So, yeah, I just quit. And uh, shortly after, picked up that job at uh, Die Börse, and that was it with school. And then True Blue started, and then it was all band, band, band. Yeah, so, and the job at the Börse was uh, programming bands, right? Yeah, yeah. And there was also other stuff, theater stuff, and uh, yeah, I did all sorts of stuff. It was it was cool, and it paid, which kind of like in my... I don't know, I was maybe 19 or so, and they paid me, and that was good enough. Well, well, there's definitely worse jobs than that. Yeah, well, I also, when I got drafted and I decided to do civil service, I could do my civil service year at there. At that place, yeah. Yeah, so I was booking vans and theater stuff and, and whatnot, and that's what I did for my civil service year, so... I got paid by the state or the government and yeah. uh, and kept getting paid. And I got a percentage of whatever profit the shows made. And I mean, that was perfect for somebody that just wanted to be in a band and had to leave all the time. I mean, you know the deal. There's nothing yeah. better than a flexible job. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. But for people that don't know, I don't think you got drafted, right? You had to do military service. Yeah, yeah. So it's not drafted. I guess it, in Germany and also in Holland in those days, I think both governments abandoned around the same time, kind of having to go to military service. I don't think it's mandatory in Germany anymore either. Or is it? I don't know. Well, I know it's not in Holland anymore, but anyway, in both countries, you could choose to either go to the military or you could write a complaint that you didn't want to do it for whatever reason. And then that you would replace the military service time with uh, public service. Right. And then you either were, I don't know, you would be driving around, maybe mentally disabled people as a public service, or it would be uh, like you did work in a, in a youth center or a concert building or whatever the fuck it was where the government would need someone. That's what you would do as, as a service to the, yeah, to the public, basically. Right. Yep. 
I don't think they do that in the States, right? Uh, no, not at all. Maybe That's they should. In the States, you probably really get drafted, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't. You never know. Damn. You know, when I just, you know, I just became a citizen last year after almost 20 years living here. And I had to swear that, uh, you know, I would join the armed forces if needed. Oh, yeah? Um, which is fine with me. I guess, what's one more stupid idea under my belt? You know, there's been many, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if dying in a war is one, but you know, it's a little bit more serious and all that shit that, that used to be there, but talking about stupid ideas, but not really. Repel, was that your first fanzine? Yes. Yeah. I think so, right? So Repel was what, a fanzine and you did, uh, later on you did cassettes? It turned into a tape label. As you know. Yeah. Because uh, I remember distinctly in that time that we just started playing out with Born From Pain. We played a lot with uh, True Blue because you guys just started out as well. And yeah. we played a lot with, uh, with Iron Skull from Wuppertal. Yeah. Those are basically two bands and a couple bands from Fierzen like, uh, like Drift and some other bands that we frequently played with. That was kind of like... The scene in a, what would you say, in a radius of like 150k that a lot of bands that were kind of like-minded and had like maybe not similar sound, but came from a similar music taste, you know, played together. And they had a couple of other bands, but it was was a lot of the, the, the same stuff. And I remember you putting out that Return to Heaven compilation tape. Mm -hmm. That was a good one. That had a lot of good Euro bands on it. Remember what was on that again? Us, True Blue... Uh, Damage ID from Switzerland. Yeah, exactly. And there was a couple of others I can remember. I think there was uh, a what are two Belgian and Dutch bands on it, I think. You know, there was that band from Essen, uh, Razor's Di Brothers. Discord. Band. Discord. Discord. Yeah, I don't remember, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the bread. You put out uh, the True Blue demo and the Born from Pain demo. Yeah. So we always stayed in touch and we always, like you said, we were always kind of doing a lot of stuff together you guys with true blue recorded the demo and the seven inch and then it was kind of done right yeah <laughs> it I, didn't I, last very long yeah i know there's a lot of people that nowadays jock true blue a lot uh, i remember back in the days people didn't care as much as they do now it seems don't you think that's kind of weird yeah well i think I think the sound was, you know, even though I guess you could label it as a New York hardcore sound, I don't think it was really something that people could get behind, I think. It was really untypical for that time, I think. It was a sound that yeah. no one was doing. Right. So, you know, there was a couple people that really liked it, and there were some yeah. people that appreciated it, but a lot of people, it just didn't fit in... You know, it wasn't born from pain heavy, and it wasn't uh, youth crew. It wasn't youth crew. It just didn't really fit into anything, and and uh, you know. But yeah, I mean, it was only a couple of years, maybe three years, four years at the most. You yeah, know, the band did stuff, and and uh, how do you look back at that? Uh, I don't know. You know, it was. It was fun and it was good times. And uh, 
I think people just wanted to do different things. And, you know, I was never musically talented and Renee and Frank were. And that's just kind of like ultimately, I think, well, that and, you know, me moving to the States, too, which was a factor. Um, I mean, looking back, we had a lot of fun on other people's expenses, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, really? No. (laughs) Would have been a little um, bit of a red line in the late 90s, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, I used to be a lot less compassionate to other people's feelings. Mm, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think, you know, most importantly, we did our thing and we, we did things the way we wanted to do them instead of, you know, trying to fit into some type of hardcore mold. And um, as far as people jocking the band nowadays, it's just kind of like, you know, people are like, oh, you guys should play a reunion. How many requests a year do you get for that? Uh, I get quite a few. I don't know about Renee. We always just chuckle and say, no way. And they're like, why, man? People would go crazy. And I'm like, I always say the same thing. I'm like, man, that shit's fucking yesterday. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I have no desire to... I don't know, live off anything I did yesterday. No matter if there's a good response now or if, you know, people would go nuts, like I could, I could care less. At mm. the end of the day, none of the things I did or I think a lot of us did or still do has nothing really to do what the outcome is. It's just things we, we want to do and we got to do and just the way we're made. And the feedback is almost a secondary thing it must be nice to see that people still can appreciate something you did so many years ago without trying to be a dick or sounding like a dick i really don't care it really <laughs> like it has literally no emotional impact on me i'm definitely not trying to be an asshole about the situation but it just i hate when when people live off the past i always hated that in hardcore and I still hate being around older hardcore kids that all they have is their past mm. or their couple years of doing something that was noticed. The rest of their life is nothing. They cling on to this thing. And I mean, I literally know people, all they're known for is doing a fanzine or something like that 25 years ago. And that's all they talk about. And it's like, it's like, dude, what happened in the you know, last two decades of your life, you know, nothing. And that's why I always brush it off when people talk about that stuff. And frankly, I get this all the time. It's the same with that tattoo fanzine I did, you know, like people are like, man, that was so cool. You should do that again. And it's like, what? Like, no, I shouldn't. Well, A, I shouldn't do anything that other people think I should do. And B, it's like, I have no desire to, like, do things over and over. Look at people, like, from Youth of Today and stuff. It's, like, really all they have is that. And that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, you know, I'm definitely not trying to compare Youth of Today to uh, True Blue. But but it's, like, really when you, like, strip it all down, that's all those people have, you know, is that time frame. And they keep have to fall back on it financially. Especially financially, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, that's it's when it really becomes really sad, you know, because it's a watered down version of everything. You know, I became a vegetarian because of youth of today. 
I'm sure it, that band had the same effect on thousands of kids. You know. Yeah, same here. Like, same here. Yeah. Now it's like I literally feel pure disgust seeing those people like show up anywhere because it's. Yeah. Anyways, I guess we could go on forever about this. You know, it's just the bottom line is like I really don't care about the past. And uh, the past is to learn from and not to dwell on. I don't know if that's actually something. Is that something Andreas recently said? I feel like that's something he would say. Um, Could be. But it's yeah, true. Obviously, you, you can be proud of what you accomplished in the past. And, and, you, and you, you take that in and incorporate that in what you do for the rest of your actions or your life or whatever. But to dwell on it forever, then... You know, with bands, I've, I've seen bands come back after so many years. And there's, sometimes there's a comeback where I say, yeah, th th these guys really, really made it a quality thing. It looks good. It sounds good. It sounds great. Because remember, like back in the day, it's like 25 years ago or 20 years ago, bands didn't sound as good live and didn't have as good equipment as bands have now. So if you see bands on the lineup that play and they're still trying to pull off what they did, what they did 25 years ago in the exact same way with the exact same uh equipment and uh maybe not being as tight as they were they sound really shitty all of a sudden and then you start thinking what are you even doing here you know like it's i mean everybody obviously has the right to come back and do something that's all up to them but it usually doesn't move me so yeah i mean i'm not whatever you know people can do whatever and you know it's just i i just i have no time for the past Yeah, I could see that. You said it yourself. At a certain point, you moved to the U.S. You used to live uh, out here in Essen. Yeah, you made a move over there. Well, what, what made you do that? Uh, well, the straight answer would be I started dating this girl, and uh, she didn't want to live in Germany. And, you know, I always liked the States, so we went to the States and got married. Um, but I guess the... The deeper answer would be is that I, you know, I just had to get as far away from Germany as possible, you know, um, subconsciously. You know, it took me years and years to figure that out, you know, but... Uh, you were just done with it? Well, it, you know, over the years I figured out that I would do... This goes back to me wishing that I would have stuck in school longer and whatnot... I just, during that time, did anything I possibly could to, like, piss off my parents and get away from my parents. And so moving to the States was the furthest I could get away from my parents, I guess, is the bottom line. Um, mm -hmm. So it was it was more like a way out. Yeah, and it was and all I, subconscious. And then there was an opportunity that was kind of given? Yes, and I, and I grabbed it and I packed a duffel bag and... You know, I was gone, you know, True Blue was breaking up. I don't, I don't remember exactly. I think Renee, I don't really remember um, the whole deal with True Blue, but it was just everything lined up and it was just like the opportunity to just leave altogether was, was there and I took it, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, It took me years to figure out what really drove me to move that far away. Seeing you a couple of years later in the States, I seen you when you came back to, to Essen a couple of times, obviously before, but 
I think moving over there kind of changed you as a person as well. Why might might have also something to do with uh, uh, coming of age a little bit more, obviously. But like you just suggested, back in the day when you went out with you and Renee somewhere, or whatever, it was always it was always trouble. It was always a problematic situation where everybody had to explain why why something got broken or something didn't get paid or whatever, you know. So. I have to say, although I uh, I love you both, it was always stressful situations. It was like, oh God, I gotta have to go apologize to these guys again, you know. And uh, and later on, it seemed that you kind of grew out of that. I was kind of happy with that because uh, the the the, the kids that was a little bit less annoying remained, and uh, the more the rougher edges kind of grew up a little bit, I guess, you know. And I like that because it was sometimes. Seemed just a little bit too much back in the day, you know? So maybe you should thank the States for that, huh? Yeah, well, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, Do we thank you just being away from Germany for that? No. Maybe Renee and me getting split up a bit uh, was the key. Not even the States, but... Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know, dude. Looking back at the... Dude, it's all so crazy because to me, you know, this goes back on me trying to get away from my parents... Not to sound all sad, but I had a pretty shitty childhood. My parents mm. were both heavy alcoholics. When I found hardcore, it was like the first time I had like a way out of the abuse and the fucking insanity I lived in. And mm. uh, and I grabbed it and it just led to to other issues of like violence you know because all of a sudden i found this like circle and this like this like kind of family type thing and it was like all that mattered to me and if somebody fucked with that family it was just all like i would do whatever i would break shit i would fucking fight people it would just it was just an endless string of like extreme things that would happen in order from and this is all in my head. I would be like, I got to protect this thing that's better than my parents' family thing. And uh, I kind of like got off track a little. But um, but yeah, so finding this, this, let's call it hardcore family, was like, uh, saved me. But it also brought this whole new thing of situations I had to deal with. And other people, unfortunately, had to deal with. And, uh, you know, and then you throw Renee in the mix. And then it was just, we laughed a lot and other people cried a lot. Yeah, let's say it had a certain dynamic. I don't know. I realize it sounds very cliche, but that's kind of like how that shit played out for hundreds and hundreds of kids. You know, they found this positive thing in hardcore. But then that would that was all the only positive thing they had in their life, so they would do whatever to protect it, or that's just all they cared about. And so moving to the states kind of like it put me in a position where all of a sudden I was by myself, even though I had a lot of friends here in the states already that I've had known for years. So I wasn't alone as far as like that I didn't have friends. I knew really well already, but like I was taking out of one universe and put into a, a total new thing and it gave me 
or it forced me to just kind of like almost grow up, you know? I don't know if this answered any of your question with the States, but (laughs) it's kind of strange to talk to you about this because you and I know our story inside out. So it's kind of like actually responding to a question is kind of like difficult. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. It's like, Rob, why are you asking me this? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, well, I might as well stop right now. <laughs> uh, okay. You were always in Syracuse, right, when you went over? Yeah. Yep. I moved straight here. And uh, are you still out, right? Yeah. I mean, for pretty much. Well, over the last couple of years, I spent a lot of time out in Montana. It's just in the last two, three years that I'm a lot more back in Syracuse. In Montana, you've been doing what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> no, it's not a secret, but, uh, is it your survival bunker? Yeah. No, through another freak accident, I somehow got into cowboying and, uh, a freak accident. Yeah. Well, a girlfriend of mine tried to save our relationship by trying to get me to go, uh, horseback riding and i fought that idea for like ever we grew up in cities the fuck yeah. is a horse yeah but eventually i was like i was like all right let's go and we went to this ranch and uh did this couple hour long trail ride and i just fell in love with it and there was a kid from montana that worked at this ranch and uh i don't know next thing i knew i bought my own horse and started wearing cowboy boots and did nothing else but read you know books on all that stuff and are you still do yeah oh yeah. yeah 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 but yeah i'd say between 2014 and 2017 i would spend most of the year out there and then tiffany moved up here from from georgia and i had to scale back being being out west so much we still mm-hmm. go i'd say probably two three months out of the year combined that we're still out there is that a good balance to the rest of your life yeah to be honest a couple of years ago i should have just pulled the plug and moved out west completely like yeah because just... you mentioned that to me you were like oh, I'm, I'm gonna probably be out there from next year on but then it never happened i guess yeah well and th- there's just so much repos out here in syracuse the tattoo shops um my house i own a house out here I just couldn't figure it out. But yeah, I mean, that was really the plan. It still is the plan. Eventually, I'm just going to live out in Montana. That's, mm. There's no doubt about it. It was just logistically, I just couldn't figure it out. And I had the freedom to just a couple of years ago, I didn't even have to figure out anything. I would just go and go to the ranch and work there and come back and handle business and go back out west and and that's still how I do it. It's just on a scaled back level, just because Tiffany's job doesn't allow her to like uh, leave as much as I can leave and so on. Yeah, um, I guess if you can still, even if it's scaled back, if you still can do it, and if it's a good balance, I guess it's still a good thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's the best life I've ever known. It's peaceful. I love the work. You work outside all day long, usually. Mm-hmm people are great there's no 
I don't know. It's just a whole different dynamic. You get up in the morning. One of the things I love most about it is the people that own the ranch, they work for themselves and they work for the greater good of the whole, you know? Um, it's not like they they worry about themselves and, and it's just this whole different deal. They don't worry about other people. Um, they don't... It's really tough to explain. I mean, it's not like everybody else doesn't worry about themselves, but it's just to them, it matters what happens on their land and they got to take care of their land. And that's just the main objective. You could say that the world is a little bit smaller over there. Yeah, it's smaller and simpler. And that simplicity, I don't know, it's very appealing to me. And Is that what would make you maybe calmer as a person as well? Uh, well, I think what made me calmer is figuring out that I have depression issues, which at some point was diagnosed as some type of PTSD from my childhood and just learning about why I'm made the way I'm made. That's really what started making me calmer, realizing why I am the way I am and realizing what I have to do to not be a product of my childhood but be a product of something positive. So, and all these things kind of, that's why I said freak accident, because could you have ever seen me working cattle of a horse? <laughs> you know? Well, like, not 20 and, years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah, now you probably could have seen me fucking tie a horse's feet and then Renee tipping it over or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's just all these things just kind of like, it's just one freak accident after the next. And but they all they came out of nowhere, but all had a positive effect and mm -hmm. helped me grow and helped me figuring things out and helped me mature. And I do think that some things happen for a reason without sounding too esoteric. But I think you finally giving in to a horseback ride you never wanted to do. I think there's a reason why you gave in to that and that eventually helped you in your life. So, yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, just, it's just stuff like that that happens. Yeah, and it's really all about just... Dude, there's so many things that happened that just broadened my horizon. Like, mm. I used to think Buddhism is the biggest horseshit. Somebody talked about Buddhism, I would just... I don't know, the jokes wouldn't stop. Now I think it's one of the most brilliant concepts ever and i'm not a buddhist by any means but all yeah, the no. practices and teachings if you strip it all down it's just all stuff that makes so much so much sense balance you talked about it on the podcast i think in the napalm death one balanced diet or mm -hmm. everything is about balance and ex especially in in this age we live in extremism is such an issue that like I feel like that if everybody can just remind themselves to be, find the middle, you know, and then mm -hmm. find a common ground and then take it from there. I'll have to agree with that. We live in an age where everything is becoming more extreme by the month almost. Extremer yeah. political opinions, extremer this and that. And I'm not saying I agree or disagree with, with certain things, but... It makes it hard for people to come together instead of, like you said, looking for a common ground. Where can we find a certain topic or a thing or an opinion or something in an opinion to talk about so maybe we could work towards working together? It seems like people are looking for stuff to not work together. 
that might be cool to some people, but I think that's eventually not going to help the world get to a higher level, you know? Right. And see, that goes back to the ranch. There is no discussion about anything. The middle is always in front of you, and that's taking care of what needs to be taken care of. There's no mm -hmm. distraction to, like political issues in in the daily life or i'm still a vegetarian i work mm -hmm. on a cattle ranch what i eat is not the issue there mm -hmm. the issue there is that xyz needs to get done because it serves the greater good i guess the world but it's very clear what the priorities are and the structure right and and i feel like that's the thing too is is confusion is such a big issue and I feel like the more extreme things get out there in the world, the bigger the confusion grows. There shouldn't be a confusion about racism or what's right and wrong in regards to racism. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, it's, it's a matter of respecting human life and, and that's just it, you know, or mm -hmm. gay rights or whatnot. None of this has to do with personal opinions. It just all has to do with that there needs to be a common respect for every human being. It's not about whether or not I think homosexuality is natural or what person, whatever, what Donald Trump thinks is, is right or wrong. It should be like, what does the world as a whole think is the right thing to do? Like peaceful coexisting should be like the main goal And then mm -hmm. everybody should work towards that goal. It's not like, and I'm kind of like drifting off, but it, it, does that make any sense? Like, it, oh, yeah. like there's mm -hmm. all these issues that are issues. As soon as you turn on the radio, shouldn't be issues. Like, it's like, what are people even arguing about? Gay marriage? You fucking kidding me? Like, people want to get married? Fucking go get married. You know, yeah, it's I, not, I never got that either. Like it's all these not things about like me thinking that's a good idea or not. It's about the the bigger picture in all things. But obviously as soon as you put money into that equation and political interests, all that stuff starts derailing and um and things go crazy and crazy is not the middle. <laughs> crazy is definitely not what we need right now. What I don't get about this stuff is that some people keep arguing for or against certain things where I'm like, hey, listen, if someone just doesn't feel comfortable where you make certain jokes or you say certain things or where you picture certain things or the way people talk about certain things, when it makes people feel uncomfortable, why are you so hell-bent on still using certain words or still doing certain things? Cut it the fuck out. Who the fuck cares? You know? Is it so hard to... To not make certain jokes. I know people that argue, yeah, we can do this, we can do that. It was never a problem for anybody. Who the fuck cares? Now people speak up and say, hey, this is a problem for me why you don't do it. Or you, maybe you never did it. Or if you did it, then you don't do it anymore. Is it such a hard thing to just show some respect and look at people and listen to people and say, yeah, okay, this is what we're not doing anymore as of now. It's kind of weird, you know, like it's as if people don't want to coexist almost, you know, it's kind of crazy. I don't yeah. get it. Well, I, it's pro I mean, it's human nature, I guess, too. It's like, I, I well, don't know. To, to me, it's like kids' behavior almost. It's like your parents tell you when you're, when you're 10 years old, they tell you don't do that, and you go do it because you want to see how far you can go. And I guess when you're 8 or 9 or 10, that's maybe normal behavior for a kid because that's part of how they develop <laughs> and grow up and learn certain values or morals or whatever. But 
when you're 40 years old, is that still a thing that needs to be done? It's so ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's probably not all that simple. Getting some, people to do the, the right thing is just... I just sometimes wonder why people are hell-bent on hating so much. It must be so tiring when you have to hate a lot of things all the time. Jesus Christ. It's just the rush of the of feeling good about yourself. If you can put somebody down, it makes the person that does so feel good about themselves and makes them feel tough and strong. And I guess that's the whole bully bully mentality. It's like, but the dude, it's all so complicated because obviously the bully the bully is a bully because somehow he was made that you know, like somebody created this. You know what it is, people at some point don't need to realize and put that pride aside or just realize and be willing to step aside sometimes. As long as you don't know what you're doing and what made you this way, you might not realize that. But there's enough examples also of people that are hell-bent of staying a certain way, where if you step back and break the circle, you know, for yourself and for a lot of other people, it means progress. Yeah, but but now you throw drugs and all other distractions that are out there on top of things and how are people supposed to like figure out what's right and wrong if they have Mm -hmm. all these distractions to their disposal that prevent all that which goes back again to all this insanity out there in politics and i mean trump is the perfect example he throws all these distractions out there into the into the world and everybody focuses on the distractions And he has everybody's attention and then everybody needs to discuss the distractions instead of being like, why are we even discussing this? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, but that's just how people work. They like Mm. drama. They like distractions because distractions make you not look at at yourself Mm. as long as you can distract yourself. Yeah, and I think that's also on top of that, obviously, when I look, for example, not at racist stuff or homophobic stuff, but for example, the whole Corona thing, how do people actually know what is what? There's a certain amount of experts saying, oh, this is really dangerous. Then you got experts saying, oh, this is not dangerous. Then you got certain numbers saying, oh, okay, this is not as deadly anymore. Then you got a certain amount of numbers saying, oh, this is as deadly. And no one knows how to think and what to do. And in the meantime, people start kind of tearing each other apart for doing certain things. For example, we played three shows at the weekend, or last weekend, Czech Republic, because you could play shows there, and they got their own hygiene concepts because they just had way lesser infections. So they said, okay, we thought long and hard about it. You can do this outside, etc., etc." And we got actually a bit of shit for it. And I'm like, well, you know, you could say you can have your opinion about it, but try to say I'm part of the problem now. Uh, I think that goes a little bit far. Where you stick to all the rules, so to speak, that governments make and you do stuff for yourself so stuff doesn't get dangerous. And let let me tell you, uh, away from what my own opinion is about coronavirus and how I'm because that is a thing that you could discuss about for four days in itself. What really gets me with this whole discussion is how people tear into each other. There's no, seemingly this is, on a level of discussing racism or homophobia or whatever, you know, like this is something where now this splits people up in like two camps. You either do everything by the rules and you are very pro what all the institutions say, or you doubt it and you question it. And then you're supposed to be against each other per se. And I'm like, this is kind of weird. 
how do people let themselves be split up this crazy, especially when no one really knows what's going on, facts about this disease and whatever it is and where it comes from. And because even the experts don't really know what's going on. I think it's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. I agree mostly. It's... It's everything on top of each other. There's been a whole bunch of things now that is only splitting people up instead of getting people together. And it's kind of sad because it, it chimes in with what we were just saying. No one is looking for a common ground anymore. No one is saying, where's the point where we can try and come together in this, where there's a discussion, an open discussion, where maybe we might have to agree to disagree, but where we can go on further so everybody can live a life that's that's okay for them that's good for them and that they, that they agree on wanting to live it in a world like that but no one seems to be doing that it's all like head first into each other and craziness yeah amen and i do have to say with the whole corona thing when i hear that from a hardcore scene i'm not saying there might not be a problem like i said i, I can't say for 100 percent sure because there's pros and cons and i always look at both sides and i listen to both experts that say both things i look at all the numbers and i just for me honestly for myself, I just can't really say. Don't have a clear opinion on it. But I think it's weird that people do not question the government anymore, as if the government is completely honest and, and good with everything. We as a hardcore scene, or at least a hardcore scene I grew up in, was supposed to question everything. So what do I do? I question the government. I question police. I question the numbers that experts give me. I question the experts that say, this is not a problem. I question everybody. I put question marks everywhere and then try to see for myself how and what is this and what is my opinion about it. And that seems to get completely lost at this point, especially with the COVID-19 discussion. Because yes, people are dying, obviously, and it's obviously very sad, especially for the people that lost family members or friends. And I'm not saying anything against that, obviously. But I just don't know exactly what to think and what it is. But I just do know one thing. I come from a scene and I'm, I'm, I was attracted to a scene because it was critical. And sometimes criticism seems to be completely out the door. The last thing I'm going to accept is someone trying to criticize me saying, yeah, well, you know, all the government numbers, you know what the government says, you know what this is, this is this, where these same people, like I said, two months ago or six months ago or two years ago were saying, oh, fuck the government. The government lies to us. The government has a plan against us. It seems weird that the same people argue now with their only arguments being, yeah, the government says. I think, and this is not so much the just a COVID thing, but people, are we not supposed to be a critical scene? I'm not saying the government might not be wrong about this, but the least thing I can expect is critical arguments as well, like people looking critical at those things as well, I guess, right? Or am I completely okay. crazy here? No, no, but, dude, it's just, I think a lot of people are tired. By being tired, I mean that they're just kind of like giving up on thinking and just kind of like whatever if somebody gives them an an answer to a question they they have they that's good enough probably for them you know what i mean like it's yeah it's like yeah. people are exhausted and i think that's kind of like with the whole cops killing people and it's just people are just so exhausted that they and i'm not making excuses for for anyone but i'm just saying like i think People are just fucking lost and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse because there's more things that pop up, media creating issues. And I think it's, I mean, this is certainly the craziest I ever seen this world, hands down. And I think that goes for probably everybody in our age 
bracket, you know? Yeah, I think so, too. The only thing that could be worse is if the internet collapses and nobody can go play PlayStation Live or whatever. That would probably be the only thing that could be making things even worse. They can't troll anymore. <laughs> yeah. The whole Corona thing, I don't even know what to say because... Yeah, me neither. I agree, I agree and it's kind of like... At this point, I think it's over here. It's such a big discussion with like wearing masks, not wearing masks, state senators advising their people not to wear masks and and this and that. And it's just like fucking wear a mask. This chimes in also what we were just saying. If it's important to someone, if you wear a mask, if you go to, into their store, why would you make such a big deal out of it? Just wear the mask for the five minutes and then you take it off outside. Who the fuck cares? Right. You know, but it's like, again, people are like convinced that it's like attacking their freedom and, and whatnot. And it's not, the masks are not attacking anyone's freedoms. People attack their own freedoms by giving away their brains and handing them over to whatever agendas and and then letting the agendas dictate what comes out of their mouths because because yeah. there's no d- dude i think about this all the time anybody that promotes racism right let's take some like white power person in some trailer park on some fucking documentary right mm-hmm. it's like you want to tell me that anything that comes out of that person's mouth has any validation to it 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 doesn't that person could never argue like being a superior human being it's like you don't even have a job how are you superior everybody just picks up some type of agenda and then makes up some narrative and then tries to sell it and dumb people will pick up on things and again it's so much easier not to think for yourself and to be like yeah, I don't have a job right now, so uh, that must be somebody's fault. So uh, let's fucking point the finger at somebody that has a job and let's make that a person that doesn't look like me. And so on and so on. It's yeah. all just a bunch of... It's just all excuses that are kind of like, this excuse plus this excuse gives me the right to say X, Y, Z. People lack self-reflection, I think. Right. You know? No, absolutely. And they also lack res- taking responsibility for their own lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like that's where, like, politics come in and group identities. It's the same with straight edge or people being vegan. All these things become who they are. And it's not who they are. It's just something they do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like... A person cannot be defined by one thing, but extremists on whatever, left, right, meat eaters, vegans, fucking soccer fans, fucking, you know, it all doesn't... It's called football, my friend. uh, Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I, by the way, I love the Barney part about the soccer. About the football, you mean? Whatever. Soccer. (laughs) With the meat pie in the face? Uh, well, the whole the whole thing, you know, like where he's from and this tattoo, uh, tattoo a friend of mine, Steve Byrne, he knew exactly like all the ins and outs of the clubs because he's from Birmingham. It's like unrelated worlds. I mean, they're related, but you know what I mean? It's just like I listen yeah. to your podcast, then go meet Steve 
and I bring up the podcast because we both love listening all sorts of podcasts and I'm like you got to check this out and you know the first two guests are this and that and uh next thing I know it's like he is telling me all this stuff about the the football clubs and I'm like yeah that's totally what they were saying you know like all those <laughs> team names and stuff that was pretty cool but to get back to to this whole discussion I guess um yeah man it's fucking it's all so crazy and I also want to make it clear from my perspective, the issue of extremism is is just as bad on the left as it is on the right. And um, I get it. Everybody wants to be right, but there is never a right or wrong, really. It's all too complicated to just strip it down to, like, fuck this person, fuck that person. If I could promote one thing for the rest of my life, I think it would really be, like, that people need to, on the basis of respect fine to the middle and that needs to be the foundation because everything everything else is just it's like putting weight on a scale it doesn't matter if you put it on the right scale or on the left scale if you keep putting it on it will eventually just tip over to one side and it will bring the whole thing out of balance and i'm just really sick of people not wanting to do the right thing and the right thing is not some that's the one thing that's not up for discussion shouldn't be a discussion whether or not a cop can kneel on somebody's neck till they die that like how is that even like a like using that kind of force no matter who it is shouldn't be a discussion no of course but somehow the, the dude it's all fucking insane the things that are like issues there should be like discussions how to get water to parts of the world that don't have water so people can have fresh drinking water those should Mm -hmm. be like things that should be discussed not whether or not a cop has a right to and i'm not anti-cop by any means but i'm anti-stupidity you know what i mean like there's so many issues that are like pressing that nobody talks about because nobody but again there's money big money involved so I was just listening to the radio yesterday how who gave Bernie Sanders money and who gave, you know, even Obama in the previous years money and Trump and where all this money comes from. And it's, dude, it's just insane. It's all money driven, which I guess it's understandable because people need to make a living and it's all tied into people making a living and, and obviously a lot of people make more money than they ever need to make a living but yeah but it's still it's it all makes sense as disgusting as it is it all makes sense so what's there to do if it's the same with like alcohol and all these things make sense you <laughs> i can tell you kind of want to laugh when i talk about alcohol but <laughs> no i'm the last one who would say that alcohol is healthy for you just saying right, i like it a lot you know what I'm, <laughs> you know what i'm saying again it's all the moderation part of it Dude, it's something that's very important to me is is this whole finding the middle thing, which, you know, going back to when I brought up Buddhism and how I thought Buddhism or psychology and all these things were just laughable 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. If they would teach kids in school, like basic psychology or basic how humans function that whole yeah. deal i think we would be a lot better off than these math oh, definitely things that 
my godson has to do in 11th grade that I can't figure out. I'm sure math is very good for a lot of stuff you need to do in the future too, but I think education is definitely lacking a couple of emotional and mental basic skills that could be taught for people to or kids to have a better future life and handle situations better definitely or right. self-reflect better analyze right. themselves better because like you said you've been going through a period of that i had the same thing years ago where i analyzed myself looked for tools wanting to be a better person to myself and etc uh, etc et and at a certain point you start to be more open for things and then the whole world opens and you're like how was i ever not into these things because it just makes my life better and i think as long as it can help you with self-reflection and make you a better human. See, like when you put a five-year-old in time out and put them on the stairs, you want them to self-reflect. Punishment, but it's not really punishment. You know what I mean? Like Just putting them on the, on the stairs or outside or wherever you put a kid or in the corner of a room to a kid, if that is the only thing you do and you don't add anything to that and you don't give them a tool to self-reflect, the kid is not self-reflecting. The kid feels just that they're being punished like you said right but that's the difference between punishment and something that goes deeper than that because yeah, what value. you should be doing is bring the kid back to the to the middle like of you, course you you put them there and you let the situation kind of like cool down and then by coming back to square one you can start the whole thing over and then you should you should point out what went right and what went wrong and offer other possibilities of handling a situation and and that should just you know if there's a focus on on um on all that in schools and stuff i think there's just these like little things that i think could be really make a big difference nobody neither of my parents taught me anything which goes back what to what you said we found our own tools and I'm very grateful and thankful that I found every tool I ever came across, mm. even if it was a useless one. But at least I had this tool that I could figure out if I need it or not, or if it makes sense or not. You don't paint a wall with a hammer. You, you yeah, know, but like, if, you, if you don't know what the hammer is and if it helps you, you first have to use the hammer to see that it's maybe not helping right. you, but you know it's definitely wrong. You're definitely not going to do that again. R right. Well, a little bit away from that part. Obviously, I think most people will probably know you because of Reaper Records. Mm -hmm. Reaper's not as active anymore as it used to be. No, no, definitely not. What was your motivation to start out with Reaper? Because Reaper was, at one point, I think it's fair to say the most popular or whatever you want to call it, hyped or whatever label in hardcore for a certain amount of years. I mean, you must have been doing something right with the label, right? Well, I guess so. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. This all goes back to the true blue thing. I, I'm kind of almost afraid I come across as a dick, which probably not too hard. But um, what do you mean but, in the true uh, blue days? Well, it's kind of like you know, Reaper is almost like yesterday. But anyways, I mean, when I moved to the states, I had no band, and I still wanted to be productive within hardcore, so. Mm -hmm. I guess that was just kind of like how Reaper started out and it grew and grew and I enjoyed it and um, to the point where there was two things that happened. Turnstile left for Roadrunner and my mom dying 
and mm-hmm. the combination of both of those things were kind of like what made me decide to scale down the whole label. Turnstile, I guess, was maybe the biggest band you had on there? Uh, I would say the biggest release I ever put out, the first LP, Nonstop Feeling. I don't, I wouldn't say it's the biggest band, but the biggest release in terms of whatever sales or whatever you want to call it. I still think Terror is by far the biggest band. Yeah, in that sense, I would have to agree. Well, what is your favorite release you did on there? There must be something maybe where you say, hey, that was never maybe a success, but I love that. That's a good question. The first Naysayer 7-inch. Um, yeah, don't the, Iceman, the Iceman 7-inch. I don't know. There's so many. For for every big release, there was like four releases I really loved that didn't really do much. Dude, I love that Stigmata Live 7-inch. That's a mm-hmm. tough one. Did you feel like you, you did everything you needed to do with Reaper by the time you scaled yeah, down? Abs- yes, absolutely. But also, I just... At the beginning of this podcast, I said that hardcore doesn't, for me, doesn't really happen at shows anymore but like just kind of like all happens in my head or the way i live my life and and as far as repo goes i still like putting out releases and um and whatnot but it's just overall like as a whole it's just a changed a changed thing i used to enjoy arguing with bands what what my idea of right and wrong is I don't enjoy that part anymore. I just yeah. want to help out some bands. I just if I can help out some bands that that need help, which I don't even think any band in this day and age really needs a label anymore to help them, but that's good enough and if like I'm about to put out um put out the Memorial Day record it's skipped from Turning Points kind of emo band after Turning Point I'm really excited about being able to do that which is going to be a fun project I do what I want <laughs> yeah well that was never a problem I think <laughs> yeah no it that definitely used to be a bigger problem than it is these days but like don't get me wrong i love hardcore i love everything about repo i love everything i've done it's just a shift of priorities a shift of what i want to do um i've been in the local fire department for the last year and a half i really like spending every three minutes there and that there's just so many shifts and and uh what i want to do you know and yeah, I really don't think anybody le- needs a label anymore. <laughs> uh, nowadays, in this age of Spotify and iTunes, look at all these hip-hop dudes, all these trap dudes. Basically, that's a scene that's for years dropping, not not albums anymore, to drop uh, singles, you know, or two songs. That's what everything is going towards. Also, hardcore punk and, and metal and everything. I think in, in two or three years, I think there will be less and less labels anyways. But, yeah. And then you, you, I mean, you're the way I see it, if I can document on vinyl things that I think are worth documenting on that medium, that's all I want to do and keep yeah. doing, you know? Yeah. And um, But I think it's and, important for hardcore as well as a scene. It's always been a scene that is very DIY and you want to hold that vinyl in your hand. Yeah, granted, it's easy to have uh, to have Spotify to drive in a car and have all the music with you just streaming from the internet. 
but it's much nicer to look at a seven inch or an album and look what's on it, you know, read the lyrics. And, and that I think that's ingrained in our scene as well. I don't think that should be something that dies. Yeah, but also, again, not to sound like a dick, I'm, I'm not part of that scene anymore like I used to be. And, and that's on purpose because so many other things to me in 2020, there is almost more negatives than positive. Whenever I come back to Germany and I talk to people in bands and I heard this story, I don't know if it's true or not, you might know, but I heard Risk It, they got kicked out of a club because the drummer took his shirt off while playing drums and that was somehow considered sexual harassment or whatever by the drummer not wearing a shirt while playing a show and it's like it was offensive to to like some let's call them extremists i always was afraid becoming the person i am as a younger kid when i used to hear of people selling their records and shirts i would always be like as a kid like what the fuck how can they do that you know like how can they sell out um how can they give away the most important things? And now I get it. These things become absolute and they're just material crap. And I mean, some people... Says the guy who tries to buy half my record collection all the time. Right. <laughs> well, that's the one thing. Yeah, but I'm also not trying to sell it. I'm just saying I understand now why people do it. You know, like, no, I get it. I get it. Because things change, things change. And and that's fine. Yeah, I'm not selling my records. That's for sure. And I'm going to keep keep buying them. That's for sure, too. But it doesn't have that value anymore like it used to have. Right. Same with going to shows. I used to think I have to be at every show and I don't want to be at a show anymore. (laughs) You know, I just don't. And that's no disrespect to to you as somebody that plays shows or to people. I want people to go to shows. It's a fucking beautiful thing, but I don't want to be at a hardcore show right now, or I, it's not what I want to do. I don't want to be in a room where people, I don't know where it's like, it used to be like, and not to sound like, oh, the good old days, but it used to be like, there was an exchange of ideas at shows. People discussing this, discussing that, people supporting this, supporting that. Now nobody really supports anything. People just support an idea they have in their head, but there's nothing really like that's like... Substantial to it? Substantial to it. And that goes along with where this whole world is is at, you know? Like the, the, the substance is like, taken from so many cultural aspects. Man, I really don't want to sound like some fucking crazy person, but if there's no substance to something that you do, then it's just a joke. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, imagine you just talked about football, would never watch it, leave alone going, you know, seeing matches, or I feel like people don't really live what they present. Does that make sense? You mean they are in a hardcore scene, but they don't really live the hardcore scene as it's supposed to be? And then I don't mean biggest hardcore guy, but with the values and well, the, the criticism and the ideals it used to have. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But at the same time, who am I to say what hardcore should be like in 2020? Yeah, maybe it's, you just it's, develop it and it's not your thing very, anymore. Yeah, I say this from a very personal 
standpoint and point of view. You know, I want people to make to have hardcore be the way they want it in 2020. But I just. But it's just you know, not you anymore. It is me because you can never take the hardcore out of me, you know. I mean, the whole thing is not as much you as it used to be. Right. It's not what I what I want to be defined as or what I want to define myself through. And, and yeah. um, but again, not to take anything away from the, the thing as a whole, because it's it's still one of the coolest music things I can think of. For myself and i'm sure that goes for you too everything i have i have because of hardcore my friends my job uh my house i mean everything you know i wouldn't have the the job i have if it wasn't for people i met through hardcore and i wouldn't be able to own a house in the country if it wasn't through those connections and all the intertwined angles that come with it yeah true no I, i totally agree it's like that for a lot of people i think yeah absolutely hey you mentioned the tattoo stores before you are basically managing the halo tattoo studios in, in and around syracuse yep just means you make sure that everything runs the way it should run yeah basically i get paid so the two people that own it don't have to just have to tattoo yep And uh, I've been doing that for, shit, man, 18 years now. Yeah, forever, uh, right? Yeah. And uh, it's a family business, I guess you could call it. And I actually spent the last five weeks or so building a new studio. We're moving one of the shops a couple, couple miles down the road. So I've just been doing construction the last five, yeah probably five, six weeks, and uh, we're opening September 1st, and uh, so that's pretty exciting. And Tattooing has become a way bigger part of your life, right? Uh, Or at least you're being active in it, let me say it that way. Yeah, I guess so. You mean with the tour and... The, with the tour, the exactly. Yeah. Yeah. With the, with the yeah. tattoo times and everything. Yeah, I guess so. It's not really... A, it's it's kind of like what I make a living with is mm -hmm. the tattoo shops. Um, just like the cowboy stuff and everything else. It's just things that, I don't know, it's just all one freak accident after the next. Um, <laughs> and uh, and there's so many projects like the tour and, and whatnot that kind of like came out of it. And, uh, you know, it takes up a lot of time. You know, I do the newspaper and books, and I just started working on another big tattoo book project. What's that? Uh, it's going to be a book about this guy, Tim Lehigh, tattooer from the States that's been doing it for, I don't know, probably like 30 years or so. So I travel back and forth to his house to work on the book, and um, that's really so what I've been enjoying is doing books. And Do you think this is kind of... As exciting for you as hardcore was back then? No, no, because the one thing didn't replace the other. It's just something that, you know, I've been getting tattooed since the mid 90s. So that interest has always been there. And it just so happened that when I moved here, DJ and Ron needed somebody that's business savvy and could run a business efficiently and good with money and, and all that. And eventually the 
tribal tattoo fanzine happened, and then the tattoo tour happened because of hardcore. I was on tour with Terror and Suicidal, and I was like, man, that would be so cool to have a a tour like like this on a tour bus, but put tattoos on it. It's all connected, and it didn't. It definitely didn't replace anything, and it's definitely you can't say or I couldn't say it. It's as exciting as hardcore was at some point because it's all it's both things are just who I am and what I do and what I like to do and it's just all who I am some crazy mix between hardcore and tattoos and fucking some cowboy crazy boots. Yeah. cowboy boots yeah that's right <laughs> yeah. I think you were supposed to be in Europe this month with the tour right yeah September um which obviously we had to cancel due to the whole Corona thing, um, which was a real bummer. You know, for the last two years, it has been the highlight for my highlight and everybody that's on the tour and a lot of people that host the tour. And But yeah, just like anybody else on planet Earth, it's time to just accept defeat and regroup for for next year. You don't always have the same guys with you, right? It's always different no. guys? Yeah. It, the original idea was to have every year a complete new group of people, which due to the fact that so many people from the first tour loved it so much that they almost insisted on <laughs> staying and uh, doing it again. Um, but still, there's every year a couple of new people and then a lot of repeat players, I guess yeah. you could say. Well, I think it's a cool idea, right? Saying to Andreas, too, in the last podcast, it's like uh, almost a festival tour, but with tattoo artists. It's yeah, cool. it's, really, it's really fun. And, you know, again, it totally came from hardcore and being on tour where I got the idea from. And now Did sitting here thinking about it, it's just, it's just mind-blowing how, how all these experiences get carried over into new ideas and... That's what I wanted to ask you. Do you feel that all these years you've experienced in hardcore, all the experiences, but also everything you learned, all the connections you made, everything you got to know, places you played, places you've been, all of that starts coming together in a lot of things that now seem to culminate into these ideas and these projects that seem to be successful. So you basically, how should I say it? You basically... Not that you did it consciously, but that you invested in all these things over all these years, and now it comes to fruition in a lot of other ideas? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I suppose. But that's the thing. I try not to get stuck with anything. So with Reaper, just because at some point it used to be, and I guess it used to be probably one of the more prominent labels, doesn't want to make me like hang on to that idea. I'm very conscious of my own ego and uh, issues that can grow out of my own ego. And um, so, yeah, just I really try to like practice the idea of letting go of things and also knowing that I can pick them back up. But just does that make sense as far as repo goes? Like, I just really, yeah. I just really like. I don't have a, I'm not in competition with the other labels out there or 
I never made a living with the label, so there's also, I always had like the financial freedom to put out small bands, and then luckily was able to pick up bigger bands, and again, I take the resources I have and the experiences, and another thing is that once I have an idea, 99% of the time I need to execute the idea, uh, Mm. win or lose. And uh, luckily, a lot of times they end up playing out all right and successful. But as you said, all the experiences and connections and resources definitely are helpful and at my disposal because they're my resources and especially my ideas. And Hey, Patrick, I think it was a good and long talk and appreciate yeah, you hope- for your time. I hope it wasn't too confusing. And, uh, well, I appreciate you having me. And uh, Always. As, I said, as I said earlier, I love podcasts. I loved every single one that you did so far. And I'm glad you, uh, uh, you're doing it. And I just uh, checked out Dan O'Mahony's podcast. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, which is cool because it's only 30-minute episodes. and Got to check so, that yeah. out. I don't know that one. What's yeah, it called? I love podcasts. It doesn't... Den O says no, I think. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's called be. it's called Den O says no, and um, it's really cool because he has a uh, Vic Bondi from Articles of Faith and uh, the dude from Verbal Assault. So it's kind of like some people that are like not on every podcast. No, you know? yeah, and and it's cool that it's kind of like only thirty minutes episodes. Kevin Seconds is on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, I love podcasts. I love you. I love that you're doing one, and uh, can't wait to uh, see who your guest after me is. Well, thank you, my friend. Well, yeah, that'll be a surprise. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, if you really want to get like the scoop on True Blue, you gotta get Renee on you. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we will. Awesome. All right, man. Well, take care and make sure you wear your mask. Yeah, you too, buddy. See you later. All right, bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you.